Hello, my pleasure seekers, and welcome to today's episode. I have just been chatting for a good half an hour to Khaled Hammond. I am so honored and so excited to have her on today's show. And I know there's going to be so much we have to talk about. Um, so Khaled, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I would love to know who you are, honey, a little bit about you. Well, thank you, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Um, super excited to connect. Uh, and I'm super happy you're putting this out there into the world because it's something we desperately need. Um, my name is Colette Hammond. I'm originally a farm girl from Saskatchewan in Canada. So I was raised on the farm and in that upbringing was a strong Catholic influence. And so um, I'm also a Reformed Catholic, which programmed a lot of my uh, neuroscience and psychology and body issues and how I saw sexuality for a large part of my life. And um, through a long series of events and ups and downs and twists and turns, I now own a lingerie, swimwear and intimacy device business in Calgary, Alberta in Canada. The lingerie and swimwear we have under the brand Bratopia. And the intimacy devices we carry under a brand called French Postcard. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Okay. Ah, so much from back. Um, okay, wow. So you've come from, and this is quite a common thing with my guests, myself included, quite a religious family. And it's almost like there may be rebellion, correct me, I don't want to put words in your mouth, of like going potentially the other way or being your authentic self. Um, so how did you manage to develop this comfortability with who you actually are as a woman? That's a great question. So I've always been a unique soul, but of course we don't embrace our authenticity till later in life when we have the confidence to do so. But even I remember in the school system, when we had our catechism classes, there were just concepts that like innately they didn't make sense I remember them teaching abstinence and no masturbation and that you marry and have children and I just remember thinking like really is this like like is this what there is in life <laughs> and I even remember having a conversation with my mom like she was trying to have like a sex talk with me and she was getting she was very like she's more open than some but she was sharing about like, you know, the biology and the risk of pregnancy and all this. And finally, I'm like, okay, but mom, like, is it good? And she got so <laughs> triggered and ended the conversation. And that was my first piece where I'm like, it must be if that was her reaction. <laughs> so that was kind of what opened some of my curiosity at a young age. Oh my gosh, how brave. That's amazing that you you kind of stepped into that um, side of things. So how did you decide to make this into being a business? Great question. So I, I have a very odd corporate background. I okay. spent several years, okay. and I'm sorry, this might be a triggering subject for you, working mm -hmm. in taxation. <laughs> and so after I left, uh, I worked in taxation, oil and gas, energy, in these really high paying um, soul killing jobs. But you think for a long time, like as long as I buy more assets and get, make more money and get more degrees and designations, I'm gonna, the happiness will kick in one day, right? Of course, but randomly. A couple tipping points. I remember going, I always, I always had large bus, but in North America, we're very underserved. You're blessed in the UK because a lot of my best friends come from the UK because they understand that there's more than 16 cup sizes. So I remember going shopping one time and finding it was like 
I think it was a department store in the United States. And I found all these beautiful bras in my size. And I remember feeling like high off of this elation. Then as I was having children and prior to going back to work, now the pressure of getting back in shape and never gaining weight was kicking in. And I was doing all these mom and baby fitness classes and I wanted to find a sports bra. And the way I had to find it was so weird and obscure that after that experience, I just thought, I, th I can do this and I can do it better just to serve women in general. And part of my motivation was also that I know the times that I felt good about who I was, how I looked, how my body was, that there was a product, whether it was a sexy bra or a sports bra that fit me, it increased my confidence and as well as what I could accomplish in the world. And so even with what we do, we're our, our mission is to empower women. And so we do it this exact way because we want women to accept their bodies and love their bodies as they are. Totally. Oh my gosh, that's such a beautiful concept of like how you birthed your business. Um, so how did you start this? I mean, so your mom, you're trying to get back into shape. Did you head back into the corporate <laughs> world? Like there's a lot going on here. Like, oh, I'm, okay. so I'm like the starting story. Like this is, this should never be in a textbook because I think people romanticize business startups a lot. It, this is why I, I just remember, it's right. Of course, of course. I remember having this epiphany. It was the summer of 2010 and my youngest was six months old no he wasn't he was like five months old or sorry my middle child it was my second child it was on maternity leave we get a one-year maternity leave in Canada right and um I just found the sports bra thought I could do it better and I seek some advice I'm like how do we start this business there was a trade show in Las Vegas that serves the lingerie industry this trade show still exists in New York now and I thought, I'm going to go there and explore all of this. So I popped up these babies that were like two and newborn and took them to Las Vegas with my now former husband and went to this trade show and did all the research I could. But it literally was started like on my kitchen table with a macro level vision. I had no idea how to do this. But I was also doing this while on maternity leave from my corporate job with these two children and I was also building a house at the same time. So these are like moments in my life. I have no idea how I survived at least, <laughs> but I did. And so through grit, perseverance, um, and then, yeah. And then shortly later, like a third child came and then my husband and I divorced. So it was never a dream time, but I do remember also returning or I had to return to my corporate job. And it was at that point, I was like, okay, I can't have three kids under five, a full-time corporate job. I now have this business. We had rental properties at the time, maintain a house. I think we had a dog and not hit a wall and burn out. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to just take this risk and put everything into the business and hope for the best. And thankfully, a lot of good luck happens when you bust your ass doing it. So it's been here We've grown, we're still here, and the, the the birthing story is far from romantic. Wow. I mean, what birthing story in general is romantic, right? Thank you. <laughs> um, Thank oh you. my gosh. Did you, when you took this risk though, you, you're mm -hmm. clearly a very smart human, you must have done your actual realistic 
due diligence, right? Your realistic like checks and understanding, or do you just have like a gut instinct to just go all in, which is equally as smart? It was probably a mix, like a combination. Yeah. Like I like to say that I'm a calculated risk taker. Mm -hmm. I'll take risks, but I've done my research. Yeah. And um, I think the biggest part of it was I had never invested so much of my own money mm. and the money I borrowed was leaned against my home. So mm. the, the borrower would have got my home had this failed. So all those pressures, but I do remember at the time I had a nanny cause I was working still mm. and I woke up every day and puked from stress. And at one point she had the courage to come ask me and she's like, Colette, are you pregnant again? And I wasn't at that time. And I'm like, no, I'm just so stressed about this new business. And she's like, I've been praying for you every Sunday at church. <laughs> when we're pregnant again, I'm like, no, no, it's just the pressure of all this money I've invested and I have no idea what's going to happen. So, oh my God, the nanny was probably like, love your kids. Right. Yes. Wow. <laughs> so what came first? Was it um Bratopia or was the fr was it French? I can't remember. French postcard. Bratopia came first. So at one point, so I'm at the I'm at the lingerie trade show twice a year typically. There was a sex toy intimacy device supplier at the show and I knew their product and I'm like, oh interesting. And so we started chatting with their sales team. And they said, yeah, we're here because we want to get into more high-end lingerie stores. And I just thought like, I don't know, because in high-end lingerie, you get a lot of conservative women. Even when we profile our clientele, I thought, oh, this could be triggering. Um, things weren't at, like, even though this is like probably 11 years ago, things in the world still weren't as open and fluid as they are now. And discussions around sex or LGBTQ or trans or all these other things that now seem much more fluid and accepted. So I remember really focusing on like, I don't know if my clientele could accept this. And they shared the statistic with me and they thought, they said 90% of your clientele will never walk in to a sex store. Like, um, and at that time it still would have been like video store magazine. And that's where you kind of got your sex toys. And I thought about it and I'm like, I don't even want to walk into those most of the time. And I'm super open-minded. And I was like, yeah, that's very interesting. So we started bringing in a few of the devices and I was shocked how quickly they started selling. Really? So with time, now what happened was we broke off the brand with time. So we always started bringing them into Broadtopia, but you end up in what we call Google hell or Google purgatory, if you, and I'm sure you have this experience from your podcast, if you use the word sex or sex toys or anything that's too sexual, you get coded a different way. So for our main website not to get affected, I thought, okay, I'm going to create this new brand and we'll market it differently so that we can really work on devices, education, and not having to filter the words we're using as much. And, um, and I think some of the where the name came from was uh, a British film called Mrs. Henderson Presents. And she talks about how when they found her son dead in the war, in his pocket, he had a French postcard. And 
at the time, it was a photo of a naked woman. They were produced in France. And I looked them up online. I'm like, oh, what is a French postcard? And in the movie, she shares that she realizes her son died and had never seen a naked woman. And that's why she started her review in the theater, which is what the movie's about. But when I looked at these and thought, holy cow, at one point, these were illegal outside of France. And this is what pornography consisted of. But the women were like curvy, non-photoshopped. There was no part of them that had been touched by a surgeon or, and I just thought like at one point, this is what turned people on. And this was my inspiration because unfortunately the media of what we see now affects women psychologically and physically so badly that if we could turn back to that time and that was what pornography was, I think we'd have a lot less issues with especially female sexuality totally I even think like I'm gonna be careful how I word this but like even before a woman becomes an adult with that kind of stuff because it's all programmed from like a very early age sexually or non-sexually you know to look a certain way and like we were talking about earlier like when you've hit a certain number in your age you're not maybe sexually appeasing anymore or um liberated or you shouldn't be doing all these crazy things that you want to do and i even thought about this last night and i was like when i turn 70 i think i might be a stripper you know like why not right i want to be the grandma you know granny's off stripping tonight i was like did you see the new bachelor there's like a now there's like a silver bachelor and he's 71 years old the new reality series (laughs) so you're on the right track lucy there you go right Eight years to go. Done. Okay, cool. But I totally like really respect you for taking that step because that is like the absolute opposite to the majority of the world, or at least like where we are both from and live. So how did you find people respond to that at first when that was the imagery or messaging that you produced? For sure. And um and we were very early adopters, even with our lingerie and somewhere, to use real women. And so I know that was helpful for people to feel comfortable that they could come in. And even one of my own triggers before I opened the store was some of our chain stores, you walk in. And so even if you use Victoria's Secret, for example, the angels are plastered all like the Giselle Bunchens and the all the supermodels that I grew up with their influence. So you feel inadequate walking in the door. So I know that was one piece. We wanted women to feel okay walking in no matter what. Um, the other thing that's interesting, and it's funny that we're talking about like now with sexuality and age, is I also had this weird conception that at one time, like eventually people just stopped having sex or wanting sex, which a much younger version of me had that impression. Mm-hmm. And I remember even, so something we bring in is um, sex speakers and sex educators to the store. And the first one we brought in, was 63 years old and she saw she, her talk was about like sex over 55 and she shared with us that she was having the same or better sex at 63 that than she was in her 20s <laughs> this was like an epiphany for me so when we brought in the devices I started seeing the age of women that were buying them because they felt comfortable we gave them the safe comfortable space to buy them in And the other piece to our lingerie store versus sex stores, there's very rarely men in our stores. It's not that they're not welcome. And sometimes partners join their 
wives or girlfriends, but for the most part, you're in an all-female environment, which added to some of the ease for these um, purchases. But then we started seeing, we were selling like first vibrators to women that were over 50. And this part of me was just shocked, like not shocked judgment, but like shocked and sad that this was the first time they were going to experience another way to self-pleasure and change their lives, basically. Wow. I mean, like I said earlier, their, their pussies must have been like, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what is happening? <laughs> right. like, oh, oh my God. It's so true. Yeah. And it's funny because even like the toys they would buy, like if you've used toys for a long time, you kind of graduate to different ones and different levels. But yeah. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I see where they're starting. And then they would come back and upgrade to maybe something a little bit more powerful. But yeah, it was super interesting to watch this. The bravery as well, like imagining being a 55 year old woman and entering a store to purchase a vibrator, that takes a lot of courage. It does. And what we have worked on is it's also, and even myself, I've gone into sex stores around the world. So Mm -hmm. even my staff and I go to conferences, I'm like, okay, let's go do market research. So we've walked into some and they have different niches who they cater to, but I've walked into some, even like in Las Vegas and in Las Vegas, you get a mix of like stripper clothing devices for both sexes and they'll even have porn theaters in some of them so if for like an average suburban mom they're not going to walk into that store and it's typically been the salesperson their knowledge their ease that then they'll walk me through and help me navigate what's there and so we do that as well through a lot of training and ease but yeah that's kind of what's made the difference Wow. And when you say educate, do they actually provide like almost instructions as well? Because people don't talk about this enough either. Like often you just get a vibrator in a box and off you go. Like, Of course. And even the, the challenge is you can't even find the instructions online for the most part, because you're either going to end up in porn and anything that's on YouTube, they can't actually show a vulva. So they have to either use puppets, stuffed um, prosthetic pieces or whatnot. And even then they probably get blocked. So we will go through a lot with them. Um, and everyone has different preferences, but yeah. And some of the instructions that come with them in the print format are not bad, but yeah, it takes a lot of self-exploration to see what it is women like with this. But it takes so much the other challenge, sorry, sorry Lucy. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Patience. Yeah. But the other piece, and this is so interesting because we see this like even without going to the intimacy device section of our store, which isn't a huge section, is even working in the change rooms with women, because you have to take your clothes off to try even a boring beige bra on. Women are so disconnected from their bodies and have so much hatred for the bodies and how they feel about them that what we see and you can read and study is women disconnect from the neck down. We can do a lot for our faces with cosmetic fillers, surgeries, whatever you want to do to your face. And then neck down, we're so disconnected because there's something we don't like, or it's not the way that we see in the media. So by the time even you're going to test out intimacy devices, you still have to reconnect with your body. And that's probably the harder part than tips and tricks with whatever toy they're buying. 
which is so sad. It's so sad. It is. So it's so exciting that businesses and brands like you, your business, are making a massive change because we don't, we, no one deserves to live like this anymore. It's almost a form of slavery in a way. I know that's really extreme, but you, that we have the most beautiful bodies no matter what. And yeah, I'm just so proud. This is so true. It's just, I know one of the challenges is like, we don't see them, right? And so I'm fresh out of the Barbie movie last night. and it's it's got some I'm I'm still shocked and amazed how good it was so I'm gonna plug the Barbie movie and it had some wonderful messaging in it and um so I recommend it to all your listeners but I know briefly got into um a movie we're we're talking about you and I before we got started was good luck to you Leo Grand and um there is a scene in it where we see Emma Thompson fully naked in front of a mirror, fully naked. And she's looking at her body. And and this is like, I'm sure the scene maybe is four seconds long. And that is one of the moments where even as a woman that's not Emma Thompson's age, that I get to see a naked woman that that, that looks like that. So there's not this normalizing of what happens to bodies and where bodies go with age and time. But also how beautiful that is, like if a body may have had a child by that point as well, you know, like the difference, you never see women that have just birthed or had children on any billboards or anything, you just don't see it. And um, I think get on Emma Thompson, let's all continue Mm -hmm. that movement for sure. Definitely. But I also, and it's funny that you bring that up. And I remember that after my first child, Mm. looking in the mirror and just like, it was traumatic. Like, I didn't know that's what a body could look like after a baby. But when no one's, no one's shown that, you know, even when we have like sex education at school, which we all know is not great. Like we should be shown that, you know, or maybe a mother to daughter. I mean, I'm, I haven't had children, so I can't share my own experience, but I know for me, when I do have a children, I, my daughter will be very, I mean, I, I like being naked a lot anyway, but I do like, I will be very open with my children about how my body is changing. And I think even if you have a son, that's important to understand that what they're seeing in porn or all these other kind of things is not reality and it isn't healthy. This is so true. And of course, to the demise of my children, they have this open-minded mother. So right. I do try discussions at the dinner table so I have two sons that are 11 and 13 and my 15 year old daughter so I try to normalize bodies and sex but funny story the other day I can't remember what came up somebody made a joke about it so I I used it as an opportunity to open up discussion and is there anything anyone wants to ask and my youngest son who's 11 started blushing and he's like mom come on we're gonna learn this stuff in school okay it's uncomfortable Okay, boundaries, cool. All right, then, honey. <laughs> and I just thought, like, you are, but exactly what you're sharing today. Wow. But he'll probably then go to school and be like, oh, this doesn't sound right. I'm going right? to go <laughs> I didn't get what I needed. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my exactly. God. Um, so where do you see, where do you see both these businesses going? Like, what's kind of the vision for you? Because the opportunities are endless I get so excited for you to be honest for sure I think the top one is we we teach a lot through education and I see like it's interesting because even 
my office isn't in the store, but it faces the street. So I see who comes and goes in a day with bags. And it's always so interesting to me. And I always like, I'm super passionate about educating women, them knowing what body changes are there. And we're always like, even with what we bring in, we're like, look at this amazing, sexy product. So you don't even have to go under the knife because a lot of people, and I even self-admittedly went for a consult on a mummy makeover because they're like sold like filler now and they're so common. And I was like, I was shocked the procedure and how many people have had them. But then I was like, Oh, look at all the stuff that can help without going ever under the knife or into surgery to make yourself feel better. Um, I'm huge on sexual education and women owning their sexuality I know that um, we briefly got into too about as women age, there's no one trying to promote sex or even sex education to them and what happens and what changes. And then you're getting into perimenopause, menopause, and all these other issues that, I mean, arthritis is an issue with intimacy devices. And, um, and it's, it's nobody's out there pushing this. So I feel like, I'm not so big on holding on to because even when you get into marketing, they're like, oh, you got to focus on aspirational marketing. People want to feel like they're going to look 20. And I'm quite a realist. So I feel like the more we can educate women and empower them in the ages they're becoming, that I feel this is just naturally what keeps us growing. Totally. And like the fact that you want to empower them, why not empower them at whatever age? Oh, I fucking hate. We hit the age conversation. Like mm-hmm. empower them whatever stage of their life they're at what 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 is that is empowering it is um and it's interesting because i know we're talking both we both have a love of sex in the city and their current episode their current series which now they're all in their 50s and it's we talked just like that and so i'm amazed because they are still showing like their sex lives and these women in lingerie and the risque things they're doing and trying which i love it because it's going to help normalize and the more that you can show this and normalize that sex happens at every age the more you can change the world totally totally and like because the world is changing so quickly and not everyone is married with two kids by a certain age or settling down in the suburbs and then retiring at 65 like a lot of people aren't doing that anymore and it's almost like the world hasn't caught up with the sexuality side of things as well you know like okay you may be single and 65 and never had children and just travel the world so Mm -hmm. why not what's going on your sex life because your sex life can't be sleeping with your husband while your kids are at school you know so it's I feel like the world is catching up with how we as humans are changing as well just kind of coming up it's true and it's interesting the other piece that I guess I have found shocking because I I always joke that I've been married one and a half times once I was married and we got divorced and the other time we lived together for seven years and then ended that relationship I'm a huge supporter of if you um, read or listen to any of Dr. Shafali Sabari's current work, she has this great message. It's like, as long as you're growing with someone and it works really well, then stay together. But staying together to say you stay together till death parts you is not a reason to stay together. So um, I think I, the other piece that shocks me, just even you're bringing up the suburbs and these 
marriages with kids is how normal sexless marriage has gotten to be for so many people and the effects that has on couples and whichever it's not always like I know it gets pegged a lot to that it's the wife or the female partner that shuts down the sex sometimes it's the male but yeah I get shocked at how many people live in this and go years without having sex so this is just something to see that it's like I've only discovered this with age and people that are open with me but it shocks me but people don't talk about it like we were saying earlier like at a girlfriend's lunch or dinner I mean I have very open girlfriends and it sounds like you do as well where we do express these things when things that feel right with the guy or our bodies or where we're at in life but it is a really lonely place and I do have some women approach me because of the show and share you know their own personal experiences of being in long-term marriages and not had sex for many years once the kids are arrived or stresses in life you know they don't feel safe enough in their bodies to orgasm or they don't trust their partners and I always say the same thing to them and I always say this today it didn't start there it started a longer 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 time than that and I feel blessed right now to be where I'm at to be able to do the work and work out and go really deep on myself because I think if you've attracted that partner and these circumstances, it's kind of just added layers to make it look like that's where you're at. When actually you've allowed that in from the get-go, there's something else going on in your psyche. So I think there's, like what we were saying earlier, your sex life just sums up your business, your money. Mm-hmm. The other piece that's so <laughs> deeply tied to it, and we briefly touched on, is that it also involves levels of communication that most people aren't comfortable going to because it takes deep vulnerability on either side to have these conversations or for it not to trigger a fight. Um, the other piece that is very interesting that's coming out a lot now is also some of it too is tied to the quality of sex. And I follow this one sex educator that posted this amazing thing the other day. And I thought, oh, this is so true. Is that if you have two, two people and you serve one canned ravioli. So in North America, we have Chef Boyardee. I don't know what the brand of choice in the UK for canned ravioli is. And you serve the other one, the absolute best handmade ravioli with a next level sauce made by Anona. And one of them says, you know what? I don't really like ravioli. Is it really the ravioli? Like, is it their dislike of ravioli or that kind of ravioli? And so she was using this, um comparison to sex which I see all the time or I'm not gonna lie or I've experienced (laughs) where you're like you know what if this is what was being served up at home I probably wouldn't have knocked for more either (laughs) totally I love this I have a similar analogy it's like fast food or gourmet right it's like and sometimes fast food is delicious okay like it is but if you only ever eat fast food they've made documentaries about this and the health effects yes it's like the investor and the consumer right like the one who just kind of wants the one night stand the fast food get it in or the investor that wants to take it slow enjoy the taste of the italian food or the sushi or wherever you are in like nobu dubai or you know something oh my gosh right you pull out the michelin guide that's what we want (laughs) the michelin guide (laughs) and it's so interesting because 
even I was recently in South Africa at a conference and I'm at a table, the conversation turns to sex. I'm always very passionate about this topic. So I love it when it turns there. So there's a gentleman beside me and he starts talking about his sexless marriage and how bad it is. And, and everything he's sharing is very like patriarchal, a little bit misogynistic. And finally I turned to him and I said, okay, I have a question for you. Have you ever gone and done research or tried to find a coach or a course that focused on like the technique you're bringing or how to be an incredible lover? And I saw I triggered him and he's like, no, I haven't. And so everything he was putting on the wife. And then again, it just made me go to like, okay, what kind of ravioli is getting served up at home? That maybe that's what the issue is more than anything. And then in my recent travels, I was in Rome and had the pleasure of seeing Sting. Like Sting and I were 12 feet apart at one point at his concert. That man for 71 years old, I'm sorry, Lou, he is amazing like how he looks his fitness level and I remember there was like this intuitive thing in me that I'm like what was it about sting again so (laughs) thanks to google I don't know if you remember or maybe you never knew this but sting came out several years ago talking about that he had seven hour tantric sessions with his wife yes I remember this I do remember this that's how I came out in an interview yes yeah and yeah. now, and allegedly, they still do. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's why he looks that good. <laughs> Genuinely, that I get that from His people. Arms. <laughs> that, but sex is creator energy. It's the most healthiest energy yes. we have. We create life. We it's people say to me a lot. They're like, oh, how come you look 25 and you're 32? And sometimes I'm so tempted to be honest. Other times I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not stressed. But I'm like. <laughs> I have the, I have amazing sex. It doesn't need to be other people. It's with myself. It just look after okay. myself, like from a self-pleasure perspective, mm-hmm. you know, and like that, that is the secret to anti-aging in life. And even if it doesn't stop wrinkles and laugh lines, like you can just feel energetically how it positively affects people. And the sad part is I've also seen the other side of it where people have confided in me that maybe they're in one of these sexless marriages and I see what that does to them energetically and ages them or to other parts of their life. And this is why I do truly believe, even if it's just with yourself, that if you shut down your sexual energy, either you don't touch it, you don't explore it, even if it's unpartnered, you shut down other parts of your life. You can't be fully alive and shut down parts of us that are in us innately, whether we like it or not, and hope to have the best life. Totally. So for anyone listening right now, like what would your tips be then for them to start if they are in like a sexless marriage or they're on their own and they're feeling like, I'm ready, you know, to, to myself. That's a great life. question. So yeah. I think the top piece is like, to start with yourself and even it doesn't have to go. And it's interesting because I also do coaching. I worked with a coaching client on this who was in a sexless relationship and it's never like, I never recommend going back to the partner right away because this can get triggering or be too much. It's amazing. And I see this all the time. It's like reconnecting to your body. And sometimes it's like, how do you apply lotion? Like, do you apply lotion to your body? Do you just apply it to your hands quickly because you don't want your hands to dry? It's literally like 
how do you wash your hair in the shower? Do you spend time, like even just touching yourself in a non-sexual way, reconnecting with yourself? How do you speak to yourself when you see yourself naked in the mirror? And I know you and I both talked about doing deep work. And even when I've worked with any of the coaches in my own world, in my own journey of doing a lot of deep transitional work, some of it is literally talking to yourself in the mirror. And it is so uncomfortable, even if you're doing it clothed and it's self-love affirmations or positive affirmations. But what happens when you're naked? Like which parts of your body do you love? And starting there and before even incorporating genital touch or toys or any of it. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think as women, particularly, we're always in a rush or, you know, we've got maybe kids outside the bathroom door or dogs or, you know, there's never any privacy. I also find, I always share this with people, when you wash your face and you put your lotions on your products or your serums or a get a good skincare regime anyway but b like putting it on enjoying it and the nice smells of like a candle or incense. it doesn't have to be millions of dollars or pounds it's the simple things that we should be doing in general for our body or a beautiful oud shower gel i was in (laughs) i was in the labo earlier smelling all their shower gels like i just can't wait to i love it beautiful pleasure things like that for yourself it can be like two minutes a day right brings back your essence as a sexual being for you so anyone else it's 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 all of it even it's like how do you brush your hair it's 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 funny because it's these minor things and i promise you with three kids and two dogs my beauty regime is far from sensual most days it's just like okay i gotta get this done and get the day started so but I get all of these parts and it's just sometimes reconnecting there or even like one thing that I've been personally found transformative. And I know some fantastic photographers in Calgary that do this, even going and having a photo shoot yes, and, and having someone capture you in a way that you don't see yourself day to day can be so transformative to reconnect to yourself, your body, how gorgeous you actually are. And then being able to trust the photographer, obviously, like, did you know some good ones to have that level of like, trust and there are people that specialize in doing like nude photo shoots, if that's what you want to do, or natural photo shoots. I yeah, I did something very similar after lockdown in Australia. And um, I know I'm gonna blow them up and have them in my house. And yeah, when my grandchildren come over, I'm like, oh, it's it's your naked grandma, you know. right just like yeah. samantha did that on sex in the city did she oh i always <laughs> do always okay yeah. oh, i forget things like that okay um okay. oh i could charge you for hours thank you so much for it. joining me today honey and for people thank that you. are listening that hey want to try on any of your toys your devices yeah. or beautiful lingerie where can they find you and your brands of course we're at bratopia.ca or frenchpostcard.ca and we're all across every social media channel but that's probably the best starter is on those websites and then I know there's a little bit more about my bio I'm on LinkedIn if anyone wants to connect as well beautiful I'll put all of that in the show notes for everyone to have a look and by all means please feel free to reach out to Colette or myself if there's anything you want to talk about or you're interested in and thank you so much for listening today and Colette an absolute honor and pleasure to have you and thank you for being you and what an inspiration you are to so many of us so thank you so much for joining today thank you Lucy